This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way, it's blasted out to dead center field! Out of here! Ball gets away! He's going to break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning! This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. What's going on? Hello and welcome to another spring training edition of the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush. Fired up to be with you here this week is a spring training games begin on Sunday. It's amazing how quickly all this kind of unfolds. I feel like we were just talking uh, last week about everyone just getting to camp and now we're getting set uh, for baseball games to be played uh, by the end of the week, which I think is just absolutely fantastic. It's been a long time coming. Uh, since we've had a chance uh, to see that. Glad you are with us, and my goodness, we have a lot to get to here uh, on this 63rd edition of the podcast. All right, we got uh, a lot of comments from Joe Madden, which we're going to share in a little bit. We talked with Mike Trout just the other day. Um, I I had a a couple of questions for him, and we're going to share that here in a moment. Talking a lot about the Angels culture, but Trout hit on on a bevy of topics, so we're going to get to Trout uh, coming up first here just in a second. And then a little bit later on in our show, we will uh, have a sit-down with Jared Walsh, where uh, Walsh and I talk about his new role uh, with the Angels. And, you know, crazy, this is a guy coming into camp now for the Angels. I mean, he started last season with the alternate site in Long Beach last year. Basically an unproven guy, a late draft pick. That is an incredible story. You know, half the season last year, it was only a 60-game season, half the season he spent in Long Beach. And then in the second half, he comes up, plays for a month, and tears the cover off the ball. And now here he is coming into camp basically with a spot in the lineup. I mean, it's kind of crazy, and Joe Madden has talked a lot about first base, and uh, we'll get some of Joe's uh, comments on that uh, also here on this podcast, but I I think it's just really an interesting story Jared Walsh is, and he's a tremendous talent, a tremendous human being, and I can't wait for you guys to hear um, our chat coming up a little bit later on. But we got to talk about Mike Trout, right? I mean, that's what everybody wants to know about, the goals for the Angels coming into this season, and a lot of the changes, and and we know that the Angels have made a lot of uh, additions to the pitching staff. You talk about two you know, add-ins to this rotation in Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb, what these guys can do. Also, a complete revamp of the bullpen by bringing in Rysel Iglesias uh, as the anchor to that bullpen. The Angels pitching has an opportunity uh, to get a whole lot better this upcoming season. And Mike Trout talked about his relationship with Perry Manassian, a new GM to this point, and what that has been like and what he's thought of the moves so far. Good relationship with Perry over the offseason. Got to talk to him a little bit. Um, vision's definitely there. Energy's there. Uh, I like what he's doing. Um, you know, obviously, sad to see Billy go. Uh, build a big relationship with him. You know, still keep in touch with him. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this season. Like I said, I got to uh, talk to Perry, and he 
basically filled me in with everything during the offseason. You know, I think the biggest thing with, with Perry talking to him, he wanted to have bring good guys in the clubhouse, like you said, and obviously guys that could play. Um, and uh, it's been obviously the first day so far. I got to meet a couple of them. I'm um, looking forward to this this year to start off. But, uh, you know, Perry's vision is, is great. And, um, you know, the conversation just goes smooth. You know, it's like uh, it's like we've known each other for a while. And, uh, you know, you got to have that relationship with a GM just to know just to know, you know, what direction they're going in. And, uh, you know, he's obviously asking what the players need, what the players want, and he's doing everything he can uh, to improve that team. You were just talking a moment ago about talking with Perry, and now it's year two for Joe Madden. There's been a lot of discussion about culture with the Angels. Have you gotten a sense of maybe some changes uh, to the culture with this club, just, you know, in being here, I don't know, maybe just a couple hours, but um, just have you gotten a sense of maybe things changing on that front with this team? Yeah, Joe's really big on culture. Um, he He's really big on, you know, letting you do your own thing, but making sure you get the work done. Um, you don't want to be outside your comfort zone. You don't want to be in here walking on eggshells. You want to be in here, you know, doing what's right and, and, and trying to get better. And uh, he really emphasizes that. And yeah, I think that that's big. You know, you don't want a guy, especially younger guys coming up or and new guys coming to the team, you know, you come in, you know, not trying to make a mistake. You know, I think being able to so loose and free and just having fun is, uh, is the, is the main thing and have building good relationships. Um, you know, if there's an issue, uh, speak up on it, you know, go, go to that person, try to figure it out. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's, that's how you build your trust for your teammates and the coaches and all, all the guys so far that I've met and I'm, I don't think I'm meeting a guy in there that's that's going to be a problem this year. I think every guy that we brought in and every guy that Perry brought in and just um, <clears throat> have great personalities, great great minds, and uh, you know we respect everybody. Is that something that maybe you take some responsibility into of wanting to kind of set that uh, for the team, especially with so many new players? Yeah, I think just being loose and you know showing people that you know we're here to get the work job done, but you know have fun doing it. Um, I think if you get if you can buy if everybody can buy into that, I think uh, that's that's a winning culture. And you know, Joe obviously harps on it. He's been when, when he was with the Cubs, um, and that's what they did. So it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. And obviously, when you're talking about the culture and the environment and what the Angels are trying to accomplish out at spring training, you gotta go right to the source. And that's why we talked with Joe Madden about the same things. Just talked with Mike a minute ago, and you've talked a lot about culture here in a lot of these conversations. What kind of a role does Mike have in, in helping to establish a lot of that same kind of culture that you're talking about with this team? Well, the, the, again, I, I don't want to. I don't want to just lay it off on anybody. I mean, I, there's a lot of guys that are responsible for the creation of the culture. Uh, from his perspective, of course, they, like I said before, it could have been the logo. It could have been the logo by now for MLB. Um, all these guys will watch everything that he does every day. Uh, you can talk about other superstars in other sports on other teams. And uh, only he knows what that feels like. I don't know what that feels like. So he has that responsibility. And, um, and I think he handles that extremely well uh, from, from my perspective um, to really um, just set the right tone in the clubhouse and on the field by the way he plays in the clubhouse by um, I really want our veteran players, if they see something go awry, Things that I would I should never hear about because I'm not in there and I I don't want any stool pigeons coming to me telling me uh, what had been said or done. That's where the veteran player uh, and a player of Michael's ilk that's where they need to take over and intervene. Um, and I and I really try to empower these guys to to understand and do that. And that's you know, oftentimes you'll hear managers or 
people in the industry talk about uh, <clears throat> leadership in the clubhouse and why it's so important that uh, people like uh, him, Michael, take charge of that. It's because I should not even never hear about that conversation. I should only hear about stuff like that when it gets to the point where I need to know more about it. Um, so when these guys address these situations on their own, away from a lot of voices, that's when things really work well. And that's when uh, veteran leadership really does uh, um, infiltrate and overtake a clubhouse. And that's when you win. I absolutely believe that. So um, he's highly capable of that. He's got a great sense of humor. He knows this game. He's highly instinctive. So I would just ask him to trust his instincts and react to situations as he sees it, not to hold back. The culture thing is an interesting discussion, I think, because it hits on a number of different things with the Angels. And I think that it's taking a little bit of time for that to really come to fruition for the Angels. And I think we're going to start to see more of that this upcoming year. Because for the Angels, it's yes, it's about the clubhouse environment, the chemistry with the guys, how they get along, which I would only imagine it was you know darn near impossible to get done last season in the pandemic year where guys just had to be separated. So that in itself is a hard thing to overcome. But you're also dealing with you know a new manager coming in in 2020 and Joe Madden trying to change things around like that. But I also think that for Joe, maybe it took a year to, to have him spend some time and evaluate what he liked about what was going on with the Angels, what he didn't like about what was going on with this team. So you're also uh, not just talking about that kind of part of the culture, but also the brand of baseball you're wanting to play and you know what you're doing as far as situational uh, hitting uh, you know, offensively, the way you're going to play your defense, so many different facets of the game of baseball that are played on the field just as much as it's important in the clubhouse. That's all part of the Angels culture. It's all things that uh, Joe Madden is working to improve upon. And and Joe and I talked about the brand of baseball he'd like to see the Angels play this season. If, in fact, the baseball is going to be uh, brought back to sort of 1985 standards, um, I want def- I want us to play more. We talk situation. We got the situational field out there. For the first camp last year, we really got involved in it. The second camp, much more difficult. But I want that to be at the forefront of everybody's minds, too. So um, we just, you know, last year was hard to implement the entire program based on a uh, degree of difficulty just getting our work done. But I think we have a nice carryover coming into this year. So attack attack that early count strike. It's, you're possibly the best pitch you're going to see. Continue to be a very patient group in the meantime. And then situationally, that to me, situational means a lot of it has to do with self-awareness. And sometimes it has something to do, I think, with whether or not you're comfortable hitting with two strikes or not. So these are the kind of things I really want us to focus on. We've already spoken about it. We had a great discussion yesterday about hitting in general, brought all these things up. We had a, was a really lively, well done um, discussion by the group. So we're constantly trying to philosophize and, and have the, a method that's going to permeate the entire group from the major leagues down to the lowest levels of uh, the minor leagues. When you first took this job, you talked about wanting to not just change culture, but mm-hmm. philosophically be different and play a different brand of baseball, play angels baseball. Last year, mm-hmm. I think we got to see like a little touch of that. I know you just touched on this a moment ago, but how much different mm-hmm. is it going to be for you now having that full year to kind of see what's going on with this organization and now going into this year, getting hopefully a full spring training to implement all of this? 
Yeah, it, it does. It helps a lot getting to know your personnel better. Um, they get to know you better. Uh, you're able to continually uh, put out the, the the philosophies that you really believe are good and necessary for success here. And uh, it's been met with great acceptance, not only by the players, but the coaching staff. The coaching staff is really but in like, a, I think the winter meetings that we've had, the, the, the winter Zoom meetings that we've had has really galvanized our, our whole um, process among the group. Uh, yes, uh, my, my conceptually, I talked about it the other night. I think the game has really uh, been reduced to a couple methods that everybody's attempting to employ. And with that, individual uh, methods have gone to the wayside. Uh, organizations don't have identity like they once had. However, I think if, in fact, the baseball is reduced, in a sense, um, <clears throat> you're going to see people or groups uh, attempting to create their own methods and not follow um, a couple uh, rules that, that have been permeating the game or, or methods that have been permeating the game. So with that, I want us to do what we think is important to us, regardless of what anybody else thinks. You circle the wagons, you create your own culture, your own, your own methods, your own ways, and then you go out there and you attempt to enact them and impart them upon everybody else. So that's, that's where we're at. Just being honest, that's it. That's a big part of my discussion with the coaches. Now the players have already heard it on a daily basis. We're, we're trying to implement this stuff. I think you're going to see more of it among each group. Uh, groups are going to, going to uh, re-identify themselves in, in, in a way. And um, I also think with all of that, spearheaded by the baseball being different, analytics are going to change. And, and all of these things, I think, are going to help promote and push us back to the prominence. And when you, when you refer to us as the uh, national pastime, the interest level is going to back it up. And, and I, mean, I know we saw a little bit of it a season ago. I mean, do you feel like, you know, is it going to be more of maybe what we saw in 2020 or maybe we're going to push it even more in 21? We're going to keep pushing it. Absolutely. And again, when you talk about situations or trying things, it's all dependent upon, you know, the game itself. And, you know, you got to get ahead. You got to grab leads. You got to be, you got to try to dictate the action. It's not just about offense. It's, it's about, you know, being proactive on defense, proactive on the mound. You, you want, you, you want to dictate. I don't want to be dictated to that, That's something I've always talked to the guys about. And you only do that is if you, you create that edge. What is edge? And I was trying to think about this. I think, so edge, and it, it includes intensity and includes passion. It might include a reverence and it might include a little bit of quirkiness to be to read, create and set an edge. I was trying to figure out, does it actually, uh, is there a leadership component to edge? I think there can be, not necessarily, uh, but I think there could be a leadership component to that, to that player or that group that is considered to have edge. So everybody talks about it. So to me, I've been trying to drill down and trying to define it define it. And I think those are some of the components and, you know, you got to get ahead. You got to grab leads. You got to be, you, you got to try to dictate the action. It's not just about offense. It's, it's about, you know, being proactive on defense, proactive on the mound. You, you want, you, you want to dictate. I don't want to be dictated to, that, that's something I've always talked to the guys about. And you only do that is if you, you create that edge, this is who we are. This is how we do it here. That's setting the edge. And I really want us to be able to do that. 
personally, I love a little philosophy time with Joe Madden uh, to get some of his insights on the game, get to learn about what the Angels are really going to try to do. They're going to play a different brand of baseball than everybody else. Establish that time. I mean, we used to see that all the time in baseball, and now, kind of as Joe has alluded to, all these teams are basically playing the same game. Well, the Angels aren't going to do that. They're going to kind of buck that trend and go their own way, which I think can be a good thing. And you play to your personnel, and you play a style of baseball that's got a proven track record of success. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that from Joe Madden this year. Um, I think it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how that plays out. And, you know, it's a copycat league. So, you know, the Angels play a different way and, and other teams then want to follow. And, and then, you know, once you have success, you know, others others are going to kind of jump on board with that too. So it's just interesting uh, the way the game has changed. You know, one of the things too that, that Joe has really harped on about what he wants to get from this group calls it the relentless execution of fundamentals. That has been the Joe Madden mantra through spring training already with these guys, getting these guys in camp. And a lot of that really, I think, stems to some of the angels on the defensive side of the baseball. You know, for, for so much of this offseason, we have talked about what the angels need to do as far as run prevention. And clearly, pitching is the most important part of run prevention. I mean, that's why you go and you get somebody like Jose Quintana and Alex Cobb, and you completely revamp your bullpen led by Rysel Iglesias. That, that's why you do all of those things is to work on run prevention. But the other part of run prevention that I don't think gets talked about enough is that you have to be really good on the defensive side. And the Angels, I mean, you look at, I'm not the biggest believer in the advanced metrics as far as defense is concerned. I, I think that it can give us some clues, but it doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. But when you look at the defensive metrics for the Angels, not very good in 2020. I mean, the fact that, you know, defensive run Save. They were, you know, the worst in the American League, the second worst in baseball, only behind the Phillies. I mean, the Angels as a team last year had a negative twenty six defensive run saved. I mean, that is poor, quite frankly, in sixty games, and twenty four of those negative twenty six were from the outfielders. And we, we know that there were issues in the corners, like, you know, Joe Adele has had a lot of work to do in right field. And, you know, yes, the corners are part of the story. But I also think that a lot of these advanced numbers, when you're looking at defense, were not very kind to Mike Trout. And it was amazing, and, and you look even further at this, Trout was one of the worst in baseball on jumps. And one of the best in baseball in routes, which is kind of crazy. And Trout has the ability to be a gold glove center fielder. And maybe he doesn't win the gold glove, but he's he's good enough to be that caliber player. He can be an elite defensive outfielder. We have seen it from Trout in the past. We really didn't see that last year. And, you know, Mike has made it clear that that is a priority for him. It's to get better defensively. I think uh, just going back to the fundamentals, I got away from it last year. Um, you know, I think uh, – you know, with everything going on, I think wasn't really staying on top of it. And at the end of the year, it showed. Um, so just going back to the, the the drills I used to do, um, coming in the ball, getting better jumps, uh, working on it in, in you know, BP and uh, just stuff I got away from last year. And, you know, it's if you don't work on it, it, it it'll show. And obviously um, at the end of the last year, uh, I started seeing the, the numbers and I knew that, you know, going into this offseason, I had to improve. And, uh, you know, we got a great group of outfield guys here, new coaches coming in. And uh, I think that's, you know, I basically told him, I said, look, I'm trying to be the best outfit, trying to win a gold glove. And, uh, you know, that's that's the goal. 
I love it. I love that that's Mike Trout's goal uh, for this season, get better defensively. I think that's going to help out a lot. And, you know, Perry Manazian has talked a lot about, yes, you want to bring in those external uh, factors by bringing in some new players to get things going, but but get some of the guys that are already here uh, to the level that, that they should be at. And Trout kind of taking the lead on that, saying, hey, I didn't have a very good year last year. His, his quote was, I had a bad year last year. Well, he didn't have a bad year offensively. I mean, he was right there uh, in the MVP race once again, but he wasn't top two. So I guess by Trout standards, uh, that wasn't uh, up to snuff for him. So I think that for, for Mike Trout to be able to set a precedent like that, I think sends a tone to the rest of the team. Everybody's got to get better. Everybody's got to improve. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, many of these guys doing that. You know, an interesting position this year for the Angels is going to be over at first base. And it sounds like Jared Walsh will very likely be uh, the Angels' first baseman for a bulk of the season. You know, there was uh, an interesting Instagram post that was made uh, by Albert Pujols' wife uh, over the weekend talking about, is this going to be Albert's last season? And, and you know, kind of said it was going to be Albert's last season and then edited that post to clarify what she really meant uh, in that was his last season under contract for the Angels. I'm not reading into any of that. I think when Albert Pujols wants to hang it up, uh, I got a lot of confidence he's going to let us know. And, um, you know, he can make that determination uh, when he feels it's fit. It's not our place to really pry into that. So uh, that's not really uh, something I'm interested in doing. I'm not a big fan of speculating on those kinds of things. But I am curious about what first base is going to look like for the Angels. And, and Joe Madden actually addressed this subject uh, just a couple of days ago. Well, I mean, even last year, Albert uh, knew that last year that we were going to make exactly what you said. We were going to put the lineup out on the field that gave us the best chance to win. And Albert's all, he's all in on that. Uh, the thing about Albert, he's going to come into this camp. I know he's been working diligently all this winter and, and he's going to come out here and evaluate where he's at like everybody else. Um, we will fit him in. Uh, we will get him out there to play. Just got to see where he's at right now. But last year, you just described is pretty exactly what we had said last year. And it got to the point where he was, he was, he was swinging the bat really well. Albert was, and actually gave us our best chance to win on, on many occasions. So we'll just see how it plays out this year. There's also a DH in this league. We'll see what we're going to do with that. Uh, uh, Otani will do some of that uh, maybe a lot of that I'm not sure yet but uh, we'll see how that all plays out there's different ways to get Albert on the field and uh, like I said I really have a lot of faith in his work ethic and uh, just, just be patient and see what it looks like and then make our determination from there Considering what Albert Pujols has done and his impact on the game of baseball, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest players in the history of the game. Um, it can be uncomfortable, I would think, to to try to um, manage that. And it, you know, Joe Man, it sounds like has you know the right approach here. And um, you know, Albert being um, who he is as being a leader and a great teammate probably makes that a whole heck of a lot easier. I, I want to, I do want to talk about Jared Walsh for a minute, though. I mean, look at his numbers from last season, the the year that Jared Walsh had. Played in only 32 games. I mean, that was the thing about Walsh is he spent the first month at the Angels' alternate training site in Long Beach. But when he was up with the Angels in the 32 games, basically one month, half a season, nine home runs, 26 RBI, hit 293, OPS 971. I mean, you look at Jared Walsh, he was just outstanding. I mean, the amount of extra base hits. I mean, he had he had four doubles, two triples. I already said the nine home runs. So of 29 hits, over half of them 
were for extra bases. 15 of his 29 hits were for extra bases. That, that's a really good sign uh, for me. He ended up finishing 7th in Rookie of the Year voting. I think if it's a longer season, he finishes a whole heck of a lot higher than that. And, and for me, I don't think that was a fluky thing for Jared Walsh. I understand he was a late-round draft pick. Like, I, I, I get all of that. I get the fact that he was taken in the 39th round. But look at what he did in 2019 at the AAA level. I mean, it's not like he was bad in AAA. I get it. It's a PCL. But an 1,100 OPS, 36 home runs, 86 RBI in 98 games in AAA in 2019, like even by PCL standards, like that is phenomenal that Jared Walsh had that kind of success. And Joe Madden was asked if he thought it was a fluke what Jared did last year or maybe if, if that was real. Yeah, it's hard to just put the stock in one month, but I also believe had he had three or four more months, he would have really made some noise uh, in like a rookie of the year kind of stuff. I believe he has that kind of ability. And then I know it was just one out of two months last year, but they look what he did in AAA also. The guys had uh, some pretty successful minor league careers. I think what's held them back is his draft position. And sometimes it does that where guys just don't get opportunity until they um, have to really bang on the door till it opens. And I think he's one of those guys. I think he's a very good first baseman. I don't think he's just okay. He's really smooth over there. He's got a great glove. Um, the biggest thing was that we had to fight through some arm issues and had been a pitcher also, but I don't think that it's wise to, to force him into a pitching situation right now, which then could preclude him from playing in the field. Um, it's been brought up about the outfield. Uh, he likes that. He's good with that. Uh, and I'm not opposed to that, but I really like his first base uh, play. So, yeah, he's going to get a, a ton of opportunity to play at first base. Um, I think you're going to see a carryover from what you saw last year. Um, I guess when he walks around right now, he's just much more confident conversationally than when I first met him. Uh, he's a bright young man. Uh, he's got the, you know, his, his own uh, sense of humor, which I do appreciate. And I just think you're going to continue to see growth out of him. So there you go, the skipper weighing in on Jared Walsh, his first baseman for this upcoming season. He, he talks about Jared Walsh's personality and getting to know him. Well, now's a chance for you to get to know Jared Walsh just a little bit as we bring him on now as our special guest here on the Angels Recap Podcast. All right, we got Jared Walsh joining us here on the Angels Recap Podcast and Halo's Hot Stove right here. Jared, one of the breakout players uh, from a season ago at a tremendous uh, year. I just wish it could have gone a little longer so we could have seen uh, Jared Walsh do some more real good things uh, for the Angels last season. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Just really excited to be back out west and uh, getting ready to play some baseball this season. Yeah, I mean, I want to spend some time here in a minute talking about uh, last season and what that meant. But what was the off season like for you this year to get a little chance to, to get back home, I would assume? Yeah, I spent some time in Georgia. Uh, I also had bone spurs taken out of my elbow. So that was a little hiccup, but I feel, you know, pretty great right now so i have no complaints i the recovery went really well so back and forth between georgia and arizona but uh yeah just excited for the season because i'm feeling really healthy right now yeah nothing gonna mess with the swing right no, 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 no. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> Very good. Well, I, I, we have to talk about last year because I thought you were really one of the great stories in Major League Baseball. In a year where it was kind of hard to find a lot of real positive stories, I thought you were one of them. Um, when you came up and just kind of hit the ground running and had all that success a year ago, what was it like to be in that groove you were in uh, last season? 
yeah, it was it was a pretty special time for me. There's no doubt about that. You just try not to overthink it. You know, it's the same game that you've been playing your entire life. So uh, the more simple I could keep it, the better. And I think that's why I had a lot of success last year because I didn't really try to overdo it too much. I just knew I was seeing the ball well, and all I worried about was getting the barrel to the ball. So, you know, once that happened, I started having some nice swings, and uh, the rest is history. You know, it's kind of funny – you know, people can talk about, you know, hey, it was, you know, just a 60-game season. Was it a flash in the pan? And I know Joe Madden, your manager, has been asked about this. And he's like, you know what, with Jared Walsh, I don't think it is. Because you look at the AAA numbers, and even before that, you know, all through the minor leagues, you put up really great numbers. And I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that you had that kind of success at the big league level. But at any point, did it surprise you a little bit? Uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said no, but it's just because you kind of idolize these big league ball players your entire life. You know, once you get up here, you realize they're human beings too. They make mistakes, but the game is definitely cleaner. So, you know, I don't want to say surprise because I always kind of felt like I had it in me. Um, but, you know, every year you have to have to prove yourself. So that's why, you know, we have some of the all-time greats on our team because year after year they show up and put up the numbers. So I completely understand the skepticism, but I also think that, you know, I have an opportunity to put up some good numbers myself. Who are some of your favorite players growing up? Oh, my goodness. I'm a huge – I'm a baseball nut. So, you know, uh, from from my era, I loved Griffey. I loved Bonds. Uh, tons of – I watched a ton of hitters still. I loved Lance Berkman, left-handed swing. So there was a lot of guys throughout the year. So I can't give you just one, but if there were two – to boil it down, Griffey and Bonds, one or two. I, I think we're, we're probably pretty close to the same age. I, I think that those are the same for me, too. I mean, I just yeah, love, love I, watching those guys. And and people, you know, I know Bonds isn't a fan favorite, but if you're a fan of hitting the way that I am, it, it's it's art. So, you know, people can say whatever they want, but, uh, you know, watching the video and seeing how dominant he was was pretty spectacular growing up. Yeah, no, and and when you're you know growing up watching it, you're not thinking about uh, all the stuff that kind of we know today. Uh, yeah, correct. It, it, it was different. I, as a nine-year-old, I was you know <laughs> exactly. the uh, the morality wasn't a factor. <laughs> it was just watching balls flying in the Exactly right. We're talking with Jared Walsh uh, right now. Real cool stuff. Well, you got another legend that you've been playing with over at first base in Albert Pujols. What is your guys' relationship like, and, and how has he been uh, in your work over there playing the same position? It's funny you mention it. Just about an hour ago, we were working through bunt plays, and uh, he was just kind of guiding me through it. I had a, a few questions, so... Uh, you know, just talking through it with him, he's been around for a long time, played the position very well. So anything that he tells me, I'm going to try to soak up, whether it's offensively or defensively. But I would say we have an extremely good relationship. You know, I understand he's one of the all-time greats. So I try to pick his brain as much as I possibly can. Is, is that a little intimidating when you're coming up and thinking, hey, I'm playing the same position as Albert Pujols? You know, it's not because uh, – He's made such a dent on the game. I don't really feel like I have to fill his shoes. I, I'd say that's pretty much impossible uh, to fill Albert's shoes. So I just kind of want to play my game. You know, if I can contribute to wins and hopefully be a part of some playoff teams that make some runs, that's going to be pretty exciting for me. Well, I think that Angel fans are, are certainly hoping for that. I know Angels Nation is, is ready to go on that front. Um, I want to also know a little bit more about your offseason this year because – 
it almost seems like you're coming into camp with a, a spot in this lineup. I know that, you know, you know, Joe Madden's going to talk about everyone's got to earn everything in spring training, but I think when you're trying to put the pieces together and what players are going to be where, uh, this is, I would imagine, a very different feeling for you than what it's been previously through your professional baseball career. So what is uh, it like now kind of coming into camp where it's, it's almost assumed you're going to be on the major league roster? It is a little different. You know, in the past I haven't had that, but it, it kind of is all the same for me. I mean, I'm going to show up, do my work, and, you know, hopefully play my best baseball. But that's more so that I feel comfortable in terms of the relationships going through last season. You know, kind of a lot of turmoil with the COVID stuff. So, you know, you build these relationships with guys, and then we have some, you know, veterans coming in that are just great guys so far. So uh, I would say it's just the, the difference is I'm a little more comfortable that I've built relationships with these guys over the past couple of years. I, there's a lot to that that comfort element that you mentioned, Jared. And you know, I, I think back to, I mean, the year before, uh, you, you know, you're out there and you're, you know, doing the stuff the rookies have to do, milking the cow, uh, going to. I, I was with you at a book signing, I think at eight in the morning after a game night the, the day before. And I know I, I remember your attitude at the time, and I thought it, it really stuck with me uh, because you were talking about, hey, you know, when, when I'm a young player in this league, you do these things because it's what you want to do for your teammates I always that always kind of stuck with me um what was that time like when you were first coming up first getting your taste um trying to earn a place here at this level and it it was nerve-wracking you know if you're going to be totally honest I was kind of a late round pick so I always believed in myself but you know once you get up there you want to prove yourself as much as you can and I didn't get off to the my first season wasn't really you know my best season overall so it was it was a learning curve but you know I really felt like I grew a lot during that time and like I said uh I have so many veterans on this team that make you feel comfortable in the clubhouse that I just kind of understood you know that's part of it everyone has to pay their dues and if you would have told 12 year old me hey you have to play or you get to play in the major leagues and you have to milk a cow or you know go to a book reading I would have gladly done it so it's it's really nothing that bothers me even to this point yeah, I think it was. Uh, I mean, I, and that's the kind of attitude I think it takes uh, at this level, which we have seen, you know, time and again, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, you, you have you have the breakout last season, and things really went well, especially in the second half. Uh, did you feel like there was a turning point for you? Maybe it was in the off season uh, before, but where things really started to click for you to to be able in uh, to, to execute and at bats here at the major league level. Um, to be completely honest, it was at the alternate site. Uh, during the initial shutdown, I had tweaked some things. And then I started off the season with a beautiful 0 for 10 start to hit the <laughs> ground running. So I uh, went down to the alternate site, and not to throw him under the bus, but Reed Detmers, our first rounder, uh, I hit a home run off him. He had struck me out about 40 times before that, so I don't feel bad saying it. Uh, I hit a home run off him, and I kind of had like the light bulb went on, and I was like, oh, okay. Now I kind of understand what I can do when my body's in a better position and the pitches that I know to swing at or know to lay off. So last year at the alternate site was such a huge, huge part of my career, and I think it will be going forward too. It's it's cool to hear you 
basically share a success story from the alternate site because I think for a lot of people, you know, we talked about there was some skepticism. I, I think that really across baseball, not, I'm, just, I'm not just talking about the Angels here, I think across baseball, when there were no minor leagues a season ago, all these teams had, you know, basically a farm team at all of these, you know, other sites that were trying to get together and get prepared for big league baseball. What was the atmosphere and the environment like being – at a place like Long Beach when you're not getting to play against other teams, you're playing against each other all the time while also still trying to maintain the, the highest possible level of baseball. It wasn't glamorous by any stretch. I mean, you know, the days were kind of long and, you know, when you inter-squad each other, it's okay, but you'd much rather, we would have rather played the Dodgers or the Padres, you know, some of the local teams, but, that was just kind of COVID, you know, 2020 really defined that we weren't going to be able to play against or other teams. And, you know, we had to follow the protocols, but the staff did such a nice job at the alternate site, you know, making us follow protocols to stay safe, but also making sure that all the guys got the adequate amount of work in because, you know, I spent so many hours with the hitting coaches that I think that's what showed up when I came back up to the big leagues. I was just in such a better position than I had been prior. Well, I know Angels fans have been wondering a whole lot about the pitching, and you are able to provide us some with some unique insights. So I'm going to ask you here about your time there in Long Beach, going up against guys like Reed Detmers, guys like Chris Rodriguez. Um, what is your impression of those guys and, and their abilities, hopefully, uh, to be able to compete here in the big leagues? Yeah, I don't think either of them are far off. Uh, Chris Rodriguez is going to just – I think he's going to wow some people with his stuff. I mean, he can light up the radar gun. His slider is out of this world when it's right. So, you know, Reed's the same way. Like I said earlier in this interview, I think Reed struck me out about 40 times last year. He's got an outstanding curveball, really good slider. So, you know, I think these are going to be pieces that are uh, mainstays in the Angels rotation for some time to come. And as far as you as a pitcher, I know that Joe Madden kind of said that that's not really part of the plans right now. Is that something you're cool with? I'm cool with whatever. You know, I just want to contribute. I, I want to, you know, be a part of some playoff teams, and Angels fans have been really patient. So, however I can help the team, whether that's in the bullpen or whether that's at first base, I'm willing to do it. It doesn't seem like I'll be pitching at all this year. But um, I'm not willing to, or not going to rule it out. It's just kind of whatever the team suggests I'm willing to do. Hey, Jared, I appreciate the time here today. Congratulations on your success a year ago, and looking forward to seeing you replicate that here coming up here in 2021. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, Trent. I appreciate you having me on. Well, that's going to just about do it for us here on the Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks again to Jared Walsh for joining us here on the show. Thanks to Mike Trout and Joe Madden uh, for giving us all kinds of time, especially Joe, each and every day uh, doing these Zoom calls, and we really thank him. Thanks to Alejandro Valenzuela and to Howard Drescher for helping put this show together. My name is Trent Rush. Thanks again also to each and every one of you for not just listening to this podcast but being a subscriber as well. I can't wait till we all get to be out of the ballpark together. I know at least uh, 25% occupancy is happening out there uh, in Tempe, Arizona. So uh, there's uh, if, if you have a way to get your hands on some tickets, I know that is a tough thing to do. But uh, good luck. Go get them and go out and see uh, your Angels in Arizona if you can do that. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing everybody back here uh, at the Big A when baseball season gets rolling around. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Angels Recap Podcast. Okay, picture this. 
It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 